Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Glad you're Kuharski. With OutKick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Coming up later in today's show, LSU is the latest to enter the streaming wars. We'll get into Justin, Dustin Johnson resigning from the PGA. He's headed to the Live Tour. Uh, joining uh, a number of others, including Phil Mickelson, which was announced yesterday. We will uh, also discuss Aaron Donald's big contract and what it means for others now waiting in the wings, so to speak, on defense for their next big contract extension. All that discussion and more coming up. And we continue the NFL discussion with John McClain. He joins us weekly at this time on OutKick 360. Always great to have him on. Always great to see him on the live stream and hear him across the OutKick network. John, hope you're doing well. I'm always doing well. If I was doing any better, it'd be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you're right on. You're towing the line then, John. Towing the line of legal and illegal. Uh, follow John on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Let's start with uh, the legalities of Deshaun Watson. Now a 24th. Uh, on tap as far as the civil suit is concerned, John. Ultimately, uh, other than, and I hate to put it this way, other than adding to the number, does this mean anything in regards to how the NFL, uh, the, the investigation, how any of this will be viewed whenever the suspension is or is not handed down? I don't think so. They've been uh, investigating him since March of a year ago. And remember, uh, they keep talking about it's close to being over. And if that's the case, that means they've got it concluded. And I've read the lawsuit. It's it's not different from most of the others. Houston Chronicle has all of them on the website today. And I've read them all three times. I've read the two new ones once. And i tell you the thing that got more attention than any deal was Rusty Harden's interview with my station in Houston, Sports Radio 610 on Friday, in which he talked about happy endings not being illegal. And as somebody said, that that quote was so profound, it got Mike Florio and Clay Travis and Peter King to agree on something <laughs> for the first time. Yeah. And I, I can't believe he said what he said, Rusty Harden. Um as uh, you know, the veteran of the court system as he is, John, you go way back with him. Um, for him to just flippantly mention the happy endings comment on a radio interview, um, that, that that's something that you would hear from a you know a guy that's trying to in a mock trial in law school, not Rusty Harden representing Deshaun Watson. One of the best attorneys in our country. He was so many high profile clients through the decades, and what he did was. If you think about this, if Deshaun Watson had not talked about the legalities at his introductory news conference with the Browns, he'd only talked football, 
think of all the blowback there wouldn't have been, like I have no regrets and I didn't treat anybody disrespectfully and all of them are making it up. And if Rusty Harden had not spoken at all, and I know they did it for the Court of Public Opinion and Tony Busby, who represents the plaintiffs. He's used social media and leaking stories to local and national media people like the pro that he is. And Rusty Harden feels like he has to retaliate. But at the end of a long interview, and you probably shouldn't be doing long interviews when something can bite you in the butt like that. That's when he said the happy endings quote. And then he came back that afternoon and had a had a, a release saying he was being hypothetical. He was not talking about Deshaun Watson. And of course, people roll their eyes at that one. And in the last lawsuit by by uh, uh, the new plaintiff on the twenty third, she said she filed after watching uh, the the Bryant Gumble interview with Soledad O'Brien made her come forward. And then this lawsuit mentioned the happy endings quote. So it is amazing the back and forth between the two sides. I do not understand why the Browns, before they gave Watson a record-breaking $230 million guaranteed contract, they didn't put it writing, we want these lawsuits settled, as Stephen Ross, the Miami owner, tried to do uh, at the end of October before the November 2nd trade deadline. Because say they were to go to court, and they're not going to go to court during the season, that might take two or three off seasons. And you would have the same details in different courts. It just makes no sense that it's going to come to that, and he's not going to reach settlements. The price of doing business has gone way up. So, John, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, retires, and we know that he's got a media future. I've seen reports that he's going to be on a studio show on Amazon with Richard Sherman and Tony Gonzalez, amongst others. That's one possibility for him. What do you think is the proper usage of a Ryan Fitzpatrick personality in terms of football media moving forward? Is it as simple as you put him in a studio at a desk, or do you get creative with Ryan Fitzpatrick given his personality? Chad, like when it comes to his when his football knowledge and his background, he would be better on games like Tony Romo. He could anticipate things. He's seen so many teams and players over the 17 years. I think he'd be outstanding. You guys know what a great talker he is, but he also has a great sense of humor. He's funny. That way, he'd be better in a studio show. You can't go wrong with Fitzy. He's going to bring that Fitz magic wherever he goes. And I can't decide if I'd rather see him analyzing a game, which he'd be terrific, informative, and or in a studio show, commenting, commenting on the current events, upcoming games, the players, where he would be informative, also entertaining. And I don't see him be controversial, but I see him being spot on with most of his analysis, whether it is in the analyst chair on the road or where it's in the studio chair. Chad, you mentioned last week you you want him more as the, the studio guy. You want him just reacting and riffing like he's hosting a, a McAfee podcast almost. Well, and I don't even know if that is uh, imaginative enough. Have him doing specialty pieces at different places across the league. Uh, with interesting characters or different side stories of a game or with fan bases. I mean, 
You know, I want Ryan Fitzpatrick jumping off of something and breaking a table in Buffalo, for instance. And I want the history of that, you know, at a 30-minute piece or whatever it may be. That, John, to me, is the beauty of where Amazon is being very open-minded about how they're going to cover the NFL. They have all the money in the world to invest in it. They're not going to spare an expense. And it looks like, I know, I think it was in Peter King's column where he said their initial thought is the studio shows are too old. They want to go very young with their studio analyst and do something different. I'm just curious what that different might be. Well, Fitzpatrick is not young. Young to me would be somebody around 30, but he is young at heart. You know, I don't see a Harvard guy jumping onto a table off the top of an, an RV. Uh, I could see, ah, gosh, you could you could see, I'm trying to think, several guys that are out there in the media, led by Pat McAfee. Yeah, I saw him on I saw him on college game day in which he jumped in a suit. We're a year from Waco Gronk. before a Baylor game into the Brazos. We're a year from Gronk doing this job. Boom. Yeah. And uh, so whatever Fitzpatrick does, he'll be tremendous. And if I'm Amazon, I let him pick what he wants to do. Gronk, Gronk jumping off the tailgate through the table. Uh, you could light it on fire, Chad, yes, and he'll do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's the that's where Amazon comes in, and you have uh, you have McAfee. It's almost like jumping off the diving board into the pool. You you have not McAfee. You have Fitzpatrick throwing him the pass, and Gronk's diving off of the uh, the tailgate bus, the party well, bus. Like, so Fitzpatrick, I mean, you know, you say he may not be jumping and, and breaking a table. He was shirtless in eight degree weather in Buffalo at a playoff game. Um, I I just see him doing something crazy during the week, coming back to the studio on Thursday night. Being a part of a studio show at a get at a, as a guest or an analyst, and then previewing the piece that he created that week—that's something silly or different around the game. And I don't know that that's John. I, I think that we probably think that we're a little bit too smart in terms of reinventing the wheel. I don't know how you do that right now because everything has been attempted. But man, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, is going to be a pretty sought-after guy in sports media. He should be. Send him around the country each week to go to a game or go to where the game will be and sit down with a player who's creating news, whether it's a quarterback, a defensive back, there's controversy, there's things going on, and let him sit down in one of those darkened rooms across from him and ask the guy questions and then give his opinion about him. But I don't want to waste him. I want him in studio or I want him at a game. I don't want to see him used on anything else because I want to know what he thinks about football because he sees things we don't see. He would tell us things we're not ready for. He would inform inform us and enlighten us and entertain us, and that's a good uh, triple to hit. John, it's uh, looking like Rob Walton is the front runner right now. Is, is that your life alert? Are you okay? Is everything all right? Got the alarm going. <laughs> Want to make sure make sure the heart rate's okay right there. Okay, good. John John looks fine. He looks healthy. We're good to go. Um, Rob Walton looks to be the front runner to buy the Denver Broncos, and every group or person that has tried to purchase the Broncos has contacted Peyton Manning. We know Peyton Manning is sought after in sports media circles. Now we know he's sought after to do something with the Denver Broncos organization. John, do you feel like this is now the step that Peyton Manning is going to take to something more permanent? with his post-playing career. 
Cadillac, the Texans were in Denver a few years ago in preseason. I got to talk a few minutes with Peyton after a practice. And he told me then he wants to do what Elway does and what Elway did. He ran a front office. That is his dream. Now, a lot of people, you've got to go and be the number two guy and work your way up. But he is Peyton. And Peyton, if anybody could start at the top, it would be him. It would take an owner who has a lot of confidence to hire a guy who had never done that. And knowing what a perfectionist man he is, it would take some people to work for him who also were perfectionists, because otherwise it wouldn't be the kind of job he wants done. I think we would all be fascinated to see what Peyton Manning would do if he's in charge of the front office, if he's in charge, if he is basically the general manager, no matter what his title, he's over the coaching staff, the personnel department, and if they would do anything different or if it just be thorough. But I feel like he's closer to realizing that dream right now than he has been since he retired. I was reading uh, Albert Breer, and he he had a couple of lines about this, and I, I picked up on one. I would get your opinion. He said it's important to the ownership if they go with Rob Walton that uh, he is more like an Arthur Blank type o- owner, meaning you know with Home Depot and the actual day to day operations of a mega company, uh, and the boots and 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 uh, the, the hard work and sweat equity that would go into running a company like that compared to other ownership groups that may just be members of family or inherited through a, a death in the family. He said the group of owners, that would weigh more, all things being equal, if they're looking for a trump card. If, both, if you had two offers of $4.5 billion, uh, that the, the, the Waltons and Walmart would weigh more because it's Walmart, and he would automatically just by being granted this franchise, he would be the wealthiest owner in the National Football League. The newest owner would be. Isn't it interesting? They they do all that vetting. Yeah. The finance, the finance committee covers everything, and yet they still end up with people like Dan Snyder, Jerry Jones, Mark Davis, guys that are being investigated, Stephen Ross, and you wonder, well, what happened? And everybody loves the Walton the Walmart Waltons like they used to love the Waltons on CBS. And I think it's, it's ideal for the league. Now, something I can't figure out forever. If you are the majority owner of a team, you got to come up with 30% cash liquid by 30%. Now, when it, the franchise was worth a billion. Yeah. You know, you could come up with 300 million, but now we're talking about four and a half billion. I, you know, you guys figure that out better than me, but that's a lot of money. And I don't know if the league is going to change that because it seems like it's going to be impossible, but everybody in Denver wants him. You know, it's too bad they couldn't get it worked out with the Boland family. I'll guarantee you, Pat Boland did not mean to happen what's happened, that they couldn't agree on somebody, so they had to sell it. Now, they'll all make a lot of money, but uh, that's not the way – Pat Boland wanted it when he died from Alzheimer's. John McClain with us. He's covered the Houston Texans for years. Very ingrained there. Maybe the alarm going off on his phone was the the news uh, through the report of the New York Times, which we're going to be reading during the break, uh, Chad, which we were alerted to um, in, in, in regards to the Texans and Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and this this report, and I've not read all of it yet, but really the first one to implicate the Houston Texans organization in – giving Deshaun Watson 
I'm trying to get this correct as I say The it, venue. The venue for a lot of the things that happened and offering him assistance with an NDA when he was first threatened way before they say that any of this came to light to the organization. John, well, we're going to read this during the break. I know you, you will as well. We can get your thoughts on it as best we can break this down together uh, coming up because you've, you've definitely either seen this, heard this, or we'll read about it and have a definite opinion on it uh, with the, the background you have with the organization. John McClain with us. Again, follow him on Twitter. All news, guys. Okay. All news. McClain underscore on underscore NFL. John will tell us uh, uh, why it's old news. Straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The New York Times through Jenny Vrentas, uh, a story that was posted 15 minutes ago that's making its way through social media on Deshaun Watson. We're discussing now in Outkick 360, titled How the Texans in a Spa Enabled Deshaun Watson's Troubling Behavior. Watson met at least 66 women for massages over a 17-month period, far more than previously known. He had help from the Houston Texans, including non-disclosure agreements, in making appointments. John McClain with us, uh, who covered the Texans and has covered the NFL for five decades, uh, John, you, you know this story um, and the ins and outs with it. Right before the break, you said old news. In scanning this, is there any new news to what Jenny Vrentis has uncovered through these documents? Well, first of all, in a deposition of his uh, one of his people, he talked about it. Uh, this was weeks ago, maybe months ago, about uh, the non-disclosure agreement given by the Texans after – uh, the first, I think the first woman complained or was trying to reach a settlement, and they gave him that according to the deposition. And then the thing about lining up a hotel, the Houstonian Hotel, which is our best luxury resort, and there's a lot of people, players, athletes, coaches, GMs that have memberships there because they have a great health club and spa besides being a luxury hotel with a restaurant. And so I'm sure that he was lined up with that back early in his career. And uh, so the thing that got me about this was they've uncovered 66. What we knew was officially there were 22 women who sued. Now they're 24. There were two more talked to Sports Illustrated that didn't. That's 26. And then there were 18 provided by Watson's side who said he was a gentleman every 26, 30, that's 44 that we know of. And we've said all along, you'd be naive or stupid to think there weren't others who had given him massages who have not come forward um, because they didn't want to have death threats, which others say they've had since they've gone public with their civil suits. And so the New York Times says there's uh, up to 66. And I'm curious why some have come forward but they didn't join the lawsuit or if they didn't want to get uh, in with Tony Busby, who's representing the 24, they didn't sue 
on their own. And I guess they still could. And the Browns knew that there were a lot of shoes to drop and they don't care. That's why they gave him 230 million guarantee because they know eventually this will be behind him and he'll be a great young quarter, not young anymore, but a great quarterback again. But every day it seems like it's something different. And I think Roger Goodell needs to hand it down and he can still go to practice and he can play in preseason, but when regular season begins, if you are suspended, unless you're on his uh, exempt list, you've got to leave for the games. I, I was reading or listening to something yesterday where they, uh, the, the, and I, forgive me, I can't remember the, the show. They were asking the question, you know, will the league come down with some sort of uh, discipline if the investigation wraps up, of course, because there's an independent investigator here, uh, if, if they recommend suspension, will the league act quickly uh, before minicamp, mandatory minicamp would begin? That's set next week. And, and honestly, John, Cleveland signed up for this. Could the league just say, hey, you know, Browns, like it or not, you gave them the contract, deal with the media scrutiny and the, the number of people that are going to be at that facility next week? The league is not going to rush this because of the Browns. You know, they've got to be thorough. They've got to be certain. And when the initial investigation turns it over to the person who will decide the penalty, if any, if there's no penalty, and that's not going to happen, but if there were no penalty, there's nothing Roger Goodell or the person he appoints to handle the appeal could do about it. But say it's a year and Goodell knocks it down to half a year. I'm beginning to think, you know, it's, I always thought before it'd be six to eight games. Season. You know, they're under a lot of pressure because of what baseball did to Trevor Bauer. And even though they say that's got nothing to do with this, public opinion always has something to do with it. What the, what the, uh, Networks think, well, next work networks want him playing because it's going to get a lot of viewers. But I do think this, I think it'll be down by the start of training camp. Well, uh, you mentioned, I believe, what, 44 uh, of the, the number of massage therapists that we knew about. Uh, I want to point out, just for the sake of being fair to this discussion, the NFL would have had the same information last year, correct? Well, you would think they would. A lot of those came from their depositions, and the depositions, I don't even know if they've completed them. But uh, a lot of it comes from that. And then the NFL investigated and talked to some of the women, a couple of the women, including Ashley Solis, who's been the one who's been the most out front, was very outspoken about the NFL investigation. That uh, the person talking to her was disrespectful, she said, where she said Houston police were very respectful. So uh, I, I, I do know this. The next step is they got to hand down the penalty. Then they'll have the appeal. Don't know how long the appeal will take. Considering it's Goodell or someone he appoints, it ought to take about 10 minutes, but that's not the process. But that's the next big step. And we may have things like the New York Times reports coming out almost weekly or monthly while he's suspended. Yeah. And, and, no matter if it takes them 10 minutes or 10 hours, 10 days, 10 weeks, it will be expedited once the independent investigation has concluded, which everyone expects will be a recommendation of a suspension. Now, uh, just for uh, the details of this, Goodell, will, he will be recommended 
a certain suspension. That does not mean he has to hand down that length of time. Um, I guess he could hand down more if he wanted to. Um, he is the judge, jury, and executioner, and that's well documented over the years. Uh, nonetheless, there will be an appeals process, but we're headed down a path here by the regular season. We should know something because we do know the NFL has, they've concluded their talks with Watson in regards to this investigation. Under the 2020 CBA, Goodell, the, he, they, they make the appeal. He can handle it or appoint someone to handle it. Obviously, whoever handles it before they make their ruling is going to talk to Roger Goodell. A lot of people don't understand why in the world the players would leave an appeal up to Goodell. And I think this, I think uh, obviously Watson will appeal it. And I'm thinking right now, if it's, if it's six games, people are going to be surprised in a bad way. And if it's a season, people are going to be, oh, my God, I never thought it would be a season. That's why I still now I'm thinking, okay, even though these new lawsuits and these new allegations and the new stories by the New York Times saying as many as 66 women, and Watson tried to say is over a five-year period, but for everything we've known, it's over a two-year period, and now there's 66, and then you wonder, okay, how many more out there haven't talked to the New York Times? And so uh, it's ongoing. But uh, we're all waiting with bated breath about how long suspension will be, and nobody more so than the Cleveland Browns. You know, they're they're trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to win the AFC North, and they knew he was going to get suspended. But I think even the Browns right now got to be a little bit surprised and perturbed at all these latest lawsuits and then this story in the New York Times saying it could be as many as 66. And, and think about the number of teams, not just the Browns, but the number of teams that were willing to do what you just described for the sake of winning. Um, you know, the Panthers, the Dolphins, if he just, if he settles, they're going to trade for him. And they lacked four uh, signings, uh, signatures uh, on the dotted line. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons lost Matt Ryan because they were in pursuit of Deshaun Watson. The Colts and the Titans have bo- both been linked to Deshaun Watson phone calls uh, per reports. Uh, there are a handful of teams, not named the Cleveland Browns, that if allowed to go down the path of Deshaun Watson would have gone down the path of Deshaun Watson, believe it or not. I think John- Actually, Philadelphia. Philadelphia Philly tried too. twice. Twice last season, and he said... No, because he wasn't going anywhere but South Florida. And there were teams, Denver lined up for him, San Francisco. They were a lot before the draft. And right now they're all going. No doubt. And and meanwhile, the NFL knows that the – and and they've known this for a while, Chad, the PR nightmare of what will next week be like in Cleveland. Uh, They can just push it off and say, Cleveland, you deal with it. But it will be an NFL discussion. I mean, it's – it's a league discussion and how they've handled this over the last 12 to 14 months beyond just what Cleveland did, which was give him a guaranteed contract that all the owners are upset about. Well, and John, we were talking about uh, Tyler, who works with us here in studio, is a big Browns fan. You know, what if, what if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the whole season coming up soon? You know, how do the Browns move forward? We talked about possibilities of Baker Mayfield. Could they get him back in the fold? I argue that there's no second option better than Baker Mayfield that's even close right now if Deshaun Watson is out. Then getting him happy enough to start, and 
I don't know, even if the motivation is to prove everyone wrong, including the team that he plays for, uh, that would be the best option for the Browns at that point. What does this do to the Browns organization in terms of setting them back, John, if this continues down the road of now you got the New York Times saying 66 women in 17 months? When does the next story drop? When does something else drop legally in this? If this continues going down a bad path, what does that do to the Browns? The problem with Mayfield, even though he's better than Jacoby Brissett, if you plan to trade him and he gets hurt, you've blown it. Last year he got hurt in the second game against the Texans. He was never the same. I think they got Jacoby Brissett to let him start because they want to try to maximize their value for Mayfield and trade him to somebody rather than just cut him. But there's a lot of bad blood between him and the front office. Don't know where the players stand, but he's obviously better than Brissett. But, man, if they played him and he got hurt again, then they might as well just cut him. Yeah, and this is a long story, John, and you're right. A lot of this comes straight from the depositions that you've read and you've combed through. Uh, One one piece in here, this is from the – Uh, from a lawsuit that was filed last week. This was the 23rd of 24 civil cases was a woman named Nia Smith who worked at the New You Spa. And this is something I've not read, but apparently Deshaun Watson was working with almost a Jelaine Maxwell-type character that owned these spas, a string of them, and he was paying her $5,000 a pop to help with security and to help set up different women for the massages, Nia Smith apparently posted online uh, cash app receipts and said, I could really expose you, adding an expletive to the end of it. Deshaun Watson saw this when he was walking into the Texans facility, and that's when he talked to Brent Nakara, former Secret Service agent who is the Texans' director of security. And by the end of practice, Nakara had put a, uh, a file of NDAs non-disclosure agreements in Watson's locker. And from that moment on, Watson started presenting those NDAs at massages that same week. Does all of this, John, track with what you've read in deposition so far? No, Brent's name had never come out. And they never said who actually gave him the non-disclosure agreements, just that they gave him non-disclosure agreements when he first told them about it. They didn't know the extent of anything he was doing. And that thing about $5,000, Watson's people says he gave it to the owner because he's a good guy. And the woman that filed the suit says he gave it to the owner because she was helping him line up masseuses who might be interested in providing happy endings. Isn't it just, I mean, we've repeated this, um, but it bears repeating once more. Two grand juries decided not to move forward with any indictment with this uh, for criminal charges of those that came forward criminally instead of civilly uh, in this lawsuit. Um, that's what's so bizarre. And, and, and um, I mean, um, if you want to say that they, uh, Goodell should consider whatever this investigation comes up with, he should also consider the grand jury uh, came back twice and, and did not move forward to even go to trial. I mean, that, that's what's so puzzling with all this, John. It was two grand juries in two different counties. And uh, what happened was in a grand jury can think you're great, that you're guilty, but they don't think there's enough evidence of the prosecutor to convict. 
Therefore, they know bill you. So we don't know what the grand jury thought. We don't know how many people they talked to. But usually if a prosecutor wants to get a grand jury to indict, they can. But it's pretty obvious the prosecutor didn't think they had enough evidence that would have gotten convictions. Yeah, I mean, the thing, Chad, um, is the grand jury normally, uh, if you just go to your local newspaper, the grand jury heard 13 cases and have turned things, you know, things move forward because you'll let a jury of your peers decide guilt or innocence. And the grand jury in this case said, we're not even going to waste the taxpayer money. Yeah, and not to even go to trial or, or look at it further, which was which was crazy. And that was a bombshell when those both those stories came out when it happened twice. Right. The, the, the reporting here is really good, John, from, from Jenny Vrentis of the New York Times. There's a lot of instances where I feel like it's trying to make the leap to the Texans knew about this habit and supported it that I think is a pretty giant leap. And let me give you one example here. Uh, and I'm reading straight from the New York Times story. It's unclear whether the Texans knew how many massages Watson was getting or who was providing them, but their resources, again, their resources helped support his massage habit away from the team. Watson acknowledged in a deposition that the Texans arranged for him to, quote, have a place at the Houstonian, uh, which is apparently a big-time fitness club hotel That's what he, yeah, he in mentioned Houston. that one. He used the fitness club, dined there, and also set up massages in hotel rooms. At least seven women met him in the hotel for appointments, according to interviews and records. Two of them filed civil lawsuits. The Texans weren't aware of the massage appointments at the hotel. Quote, that I know of, Watson said. He also said that his access to the property was not under his name. Um, I think that's a big reach, John, to try to put all this in other than Brent Nakara handing the NDAs to him when Deshaun Watson told him of a situation with the one woman who was set to blackmail him. Uh, but I look at all this and think about what the NFL knew, when they knew it, when they saw these depositions, when they had this info, and can't help but think, was that part of the punishment to the Texans? To not give them any type of, uh, of suspension last year or anything because they thought that in some way they knew about it, and while not outright helping him, maybe passively assisted into Sean Watson continuing these things. They helped him get his membership at the Houstonian as they've done others. And then I guarantee you, I've talked to so many people in this organization off the record about this from the get go. And they were as surprised as anybody else. Now, the thing about the NDAs, which came out a long time ago, not with that it was Brent, the director of security, but everybody said what went on with Watson and his accusers, nobody even, teammates didn't even know about it. He did everything on his own. And if he could go to a luxury hotel where they have everything you could possibly want and a suite, which obviously was paid for by him, then uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. It beats it beats going to some of the other places in the lawsuits that it said he went to meet uh, his accusers. Yeah, and the the membership at the Houstonian was not under Deshaun Watson's name. He acknowledged in a deposition it was under the name of a member of the Texans training staff. That that was his alias. That the whole account was under a Houston Texans employee's name. Well, I mean, it, the, the Texans would also know that he would stay at a local uh, Nashville hotel on road trips, but that doesn't mean that they sign off on his behavior while staying at the hotel that they paid exactly. for. They, they're not what in the room knowing what's going on. What I'd like to know is other famous people who have memberships, are they in somebody else's name or are they in the famous person's name? 
Well, I mean, you want to go down the path of NDAs. I mean, we ought, the first thing I think of is the Derek Jeter gift basket. You turn your cell phone in and you sign an NDA and welcome to the party. I mean, well, NDAs are no big deal to high-level pro athletes. Not, not at all. And in fact, I mean, these there are women in this story that are, by being in this story, even anonymously, in violation of an NDA. There's one account of a woman who said, I signed the NDA because Deshaun Watson said I had to sign it in order to get paid at the end of an uncomfortable massage session. But she's now talking to Jenny Varentis anonymously in this report. But this, again, someone anonymously saying I signed an NDA in order to get paid by Deshaun Watson. This is the type of reporting we talked about uh, that we were begging for last year. Yeah. And we're getting it right at the end of this independent investigation, I presume the end of the investigation. Uh, if I'm the independent investigator, John, I'm wanting Jenny Verentis, uh to, I mean, she doesn't have to help with sources here, but I mean, if they're off the record and they're only talking with Jenny, if I'm the independent investigator coming up with a suspension and recommending this, I want to get the, if I'm working with 24, 25 people, I want to get to 66 somehow. Well, she wouldn't talk to them under any circumstances. No reporter is going to talk to an investigator. And if they've concluded it, I don't think this will mean squat. I'd love to have seen this come out a few months ago. And uh, then you know it would be part of it. Or maybe all of a sudden the league's going to say, well, let's pump the brakes. Let's wait a little bit and then see what happens. Let him play three or four games, then suspend him. Or suspend him in 2023 when his base salary goes way up after they cut him such a great deal this year in anticipation of him being suspended and losing money from his base salary per game. John, on the way out, I've got something for you on the way out. First, though, just another headline uh, that Chad and I, we will hit in the in the third hour today. In the, in the NFL and in, in every pro sports league, uh, when it comes to negotiations in any job, it's about leverage. A.J. Brown used it during the draft and got traded and got paid. D.K. Metcalf in Seattle, John, he has attended the voluntary OTAs with Seattle but is not reporting for mandatory minicamp as both sides have not progressed very well on a contract extension. I don't know about the leverage D.K. Metcalf has right now considering that they – act like they don't need Baker Mayfield at quarterback given their current quarterback situation and knowing that Metcalf is going to show or get fined 50 grand or whatever it is for missing a mandatory practice. Yeah. And then if he doesn't report, it's 40,000 a day. That's why he's going to have to report with a sore back that keeps him from practicing, but has him out there watching every day. John, when we talk to you next week and and every day that you're on with us, we're across the Outkick Network, which includes great radio partners like Sports Radio 104.7 in Cookville, uh, Fox Sports Shoals in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Florence, Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, Also, if you're listening in uh, Joplin, Missouri, we say hello on Somo Sports Radio. Next week when you join us, we'll be live in Nashville as well on 94.9 The Fan And uh, I know you are just as thrilled as we are to add another great partner on the network and one that uh, in a city that you know very well. It's going to be great to be back on the radio in Nashville. Looking forward to 94.9 The Fan. Looking forward to be on with you guys as always. I spent last week calling so many friends up there, texting or email saying, we're back. We are back. Chad, let him know. Let him know. We are 
back, John, and you're back. That's what's most important here. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, John. We appreciate it as always. Thank you, guys. See you, John. John McClain, the Hall of Famer. John McClain. You can follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. More thoughts and takeaways from the New York Times report from Jenny Vrentas. We've got that and much more. We'll, get, we'll dive into the DK Metcalf uh, report that he's sitting out of the mandatory uh, mini camp with Seattle as he's trying to work out a long-term contract extension. LSU is the latest to go down the path of streaming. We'll dive into that as well and Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We broadcast from Nashville on a daily basis. And Chad, next week we are back in Nashville on the radio on a daily basis. 94.9 The Fan launches uh, this coming week. And we could not be more happy than we are uh, to partner with a great radio station and great company uh, right here in town to be uh, amongst uh, those already on board with the Outkick Network. It is going to be awesome. Well, you've been asking uh, for uh, about a year now, maybe over a year, about when we were going to return to Nashville Radio. We left Nashville Radio in January of 2021. So here we are in June of 2022 telling you exactly where we'll be starting Monday, 2 p.m. Central Time, 94.9 The Fan. Looking forward to getting rolling back on Nashville Radio. Joked earlier, my dad's very happy, uh, right? You know, there's a generation that uh, doesn't really get into the smartphone or uh, streaming or, or any of that. And for them, we're thrilled to be back. And for everyone who's going to be in their car in, in Middle Tennessee and Nashville, we're back this coming Monday, the 13th, from 2 to 5 p.m. Central Time, 94.9 The Fan. Looking forward to it. We are firm believers in radio. Uh, uh, we support local radio because 90% of the population has access to a radio in some way. We want to be able to connect with you on all the mediums uh, beyond just those who are tech savvy or that get online or they're able to download a podcast or live stream on YouTube. We appreciate all that, but to be able to connect across a radio network and to do it across the sec footprint with the most diehard fan bases uh, that, that's what we're passionate about. And so, uh, along with our other great radio partners, we welcome Nashville's 94.9 The Fan starting on Monday, June 13th. Well, when we left local radio, we did so in part because we wanted to do a little bit of everything, and we wanted to be available in as many places as possible. Mm -hmm. Outkick has given us that platform to be, be available on social media, on podcast, uh, video. You can see us every day also. But you're right, Hutton. We were never making the decision to leave radio or to abandon radio altogether. We want to be everywhere. Wherever you can find content, we want to be there. So radio is a big part of our plan. Excited to get the radio network rolling. We're going to have other big announcements coming up about other places you can hear us on the radio. But starting next Monday, 94.9 FM, The Fan, 2 to 5 p.m. Central Time in Nashville. And here's another uh, cool thing on, on how we're, we're trying to expand the show 
for the last year or so on radio, we haven't been taking phone calls. We, we are headed down a path to be able to do that very soon. So uh, those uh, season ticket holders in Cookville listening to Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland, uh, if you're listening in Missouri, in Joplin, on Somo Sports Radio, or Fox Sports Shoals and beyond with Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and with Florence and Huntsville, we'll be able to chat with you very soon, uh, for instance, with primary complaint. It'll be beyond just us riffing on primary complaint or us giving our opinion on the biggest SEC and NFL headlines of the day you will soon be able to do that as well with us daily here at 6th and Peabody. Coming up over the next hour, we're going to get into uh, a variety of topics and headlines. We'll hit Deshaun Watson and the latest with the New York Times and the report from Jenny Verintis. We'll detail more of that. Chad, we will get uh, heavy into uh, some SEC discussion, including LSU, which is next in line for the streaming services. And... DK Metcalf, I think, is playing a hand way too late in the offseason process. He is sitting out of mandatory minicamp with the Seattle Seahawks after leverage that could have been used around the NFL draft, if not before the NFL draft. Will sitting out mandatory minicamp get him anywhere? Will that get them down a path of getting the long-term extension that he wants? We'll ask that question and give our opinion on that. We start with Watson, though, next on OutKick 360.